country does it all. Tar sands, strip mining, mountain mocking, geese goosing, French fry gravying. Okay, but I'm sure you treat all peoples equally. Except the Quebecois. And the Newfies. Stupid Newfies! <laughs> A Newfoundland lobster trap. Don't know, don't want to know. Those Newfies are out of control. Mary Mac's mother's making Mary Mac marry me. My mother's making me marry Mary Mac. Well, I'm gonna marry Mary for the Mary's taking care of me. We'll all be feeling merry when I marry Mary Mac. And I said, hey, 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 it's just an ordinary day. And it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's alright. I wanna be consequence free. Just say, na 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 Five pages of notes here, okay? Five albums, five pages of notes. This ain't going to be a church picnic uh, recording session, but... Look at you, Johnny Notes. <laughs> That's the other thing. Since we're recording outside tonight, I hopefully I won't wake up the neighborhood with my boisterous laugh. <laughs> yeah, we've... Uh, welcome to Canada, FM. We've uh, decided to go outdoorsy. I mean, because I don't live near an ocean. Ted's near what? Lake Superior? You got it. Lake Superior. Look at me. Brian Geography. Brian Maps. <laughs> and everything just sounds more aggressive and funny because I got a seagull. Oh, now we're good. Okay, there, there we go. go. And that's yeah. the other thing. There's going to be lots of interruptions since we're both recording from our respective backyards. Yeah. And the internet connection probably isn't, you know, the best. Although, actually, it's funny. I'm uh, I'm closer to my modem than I am if I recorded in the basement. So, oh, so there you go. So it should be fine, but no, knock on wood. I've never had any real issues out here before. I'm always playing music out here and stuff like that when yeah. I'm uh, mowing uh, the lawn and having bonfires and all that good stuff. You know, I'm electing to spend some quality time with my best friend talking some music instead of watching the Leaf playoff game because they're playing right now against Tampa. I literally walked outside or I walked outside to set myself up. Walk back inside. Tampa got a goal. And I'm like, what the fuck? We don't put deadlines on ourselves anymore. It'll come out when it comes out. So if I take time editing this thing, so be it. Yeah. But uh, you got a little of the old black rum there, and I got myself a cigar. And Yeah, well, I'm drinking the Kraken, the old black rum. Uh, now, I, I think the Kraken is like a very big – I don't know too much about liqueurs. Uh, I'm one of those hipster nerds that likes craft beer. So you can, you know, make fun of me there if you want. But liqueurs are not my strong point. But I feel... Damn it. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see how far we get. Um, yeah. Push comes to shove. What we'll do is we'll record the preamble on here while we're joking around smoking cigars. And uh, we'll record the actual show later. Yeah. The show, if you will. That's what we'll do. Yeah. So when you get the Leaf game on? No, I just had a podcast going. I got well, the Leaf games on in, inside, but uh, I walked outside. I went. I went downstairs to get a sweet drink. Came back. 
Leafs are already down one nothing. I mean, it was near the end of the first, so I figured I'd rather joke around, shoot the shit with my buddy, talk some great big C, than uh, go through the heart attack that is the Leafs. You know, growing up, and if they I win, never, if they win, great. Of, if not, so be it. Growing up, I was never a Leaf fan. Um, everyone liked the Leafs. My brother liked the Leafs. I went through a period where I liked the Habs. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's other teams that try to latch on, on to, but whenever I said I was going to like a team, they'd always win right away, and I'd be like, ah, I can't like them. They're, they're too good right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Over well, the last two years, though, I can honestly say the Leafs have become my team. Really? Especially last year, because we had a house guest living with us last year. He's a huge hockey fan. So we'd watch the hockey game together every week before uh, uh, the Jays season started up when it was in the winter, right? Right. And um, a lot of those would be Leaf games. And the two guys I really drew favor from. I liked how they had the young cats like Marner and Austin Matthews. Yeah. The guys I really liked, same with my brother, because my brother's become quite a Leaf fan. Um, Joe that. Thornton, even though yeah. I know Joe Thornton's not there. I like yeah. Joe Thornton and his big, crazy beard. And I liked uh, Wayne Simmons. Oh, Those yeah. my two guys. Yeah. So Wayne I really Simmons liked them. And I liked the young cats. And I liked that team. And they're really likable. And I was actually pretty upset that they lost last year. And I yeah. was rooting for them to get over the hump. And to be in a, as Jays fans, Yeah, I hate the city of Tampa Bay. <laughs> it, it is the cigar city, I should note. Ever City, um, Tampa Bay, but really? I hate the city of Tampa. Oh yeah, yeah. There, it's called Tampa Bay's nickname is uh, the Cigar City. Well, it's probably you something know, like Milwaukee's Brew City yeah. or Philly's the city of brotherly love. Yeah, there's Cigar City. Well, it's probably. Um, I bet it's twofold. A, the amount of retirees that go down there, the old rich money that uh, have nothing to do is sit there play golf and smoke cigars. <laughs> but also, I bet I bet there's probably a lot of people that leave Miami. Because it's just too much, too too many people, and like, there's probably too much competition, like from like Cuban cigars and stuff. Well, it's it's actually that's actually there's more Cuban immigrants in Tampa Bay specifically. Well, there's no such city as Tampa Bay. It's it's a region. Ybor City, spelled Y B O R, is where there's a ton of Cuban immigrants, and that's where um, the large, like all of the American cigar manufacturing is done. Interesting. Yeah. Just uh, before we jump back in, I want to go into uh, back to the leash for a second. Do you remember? I, I mean, in the mid 2000s, I kind of fell out of hockey for a bit. I mean, I still watch, but that's when I, like, I've always been like my, you know, baseball, hockey, football. But then for a while, baseball took over, and then football took over, and hockey went to the back burner. And yeah. it partially is because all of our friends, like I remember leaving my house, you and I were walking to school one morning. I'm like, did you see that Leaf game? And he's like, you were like, what the hell do you think? I'm like, all right. So it's like, <laughs> you didn't care. Campbell didn't care. Brandon didn't care. Jake, he liked the Bulldogs, which, and then that became the Habs, but uh, like no one really gave a shit. And then you and I started coaching after high school. Yeah. And everything, it's all those baseball, 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 and then like football in the fall, and like hockey just kind of fell to the uh, the back. But now it's it's been back the last little while, last few years, last like six years. Yeah, a love of baseball and her rejection of hockey is kind of how our group formed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I specifically always... me and Brandon, and I've I I don't dislike hockey at all. When I was growing up, my parents didn't like hockey because um, uh, they were both teachers. 
And it was the hockey kids that would beat up on the little kids. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't like hockey because of that. But um, so I didn't watch hockey growing up. But um, yeah, now, you know, yeah, I love hockey. Yeah. Um, yeah, you and Brandon formed in grade seven. Your friendship formed in grade seven because of what's the baseball playoffs were starting up soon or something at the time? No, it was um, we had a get to know you quiz. one of those get to know you quizzes and one of them was uh you had to sign a paper everyone had a paper and they had different questions and you had to put your signature and one of them was get a signature from someone who whose favorite sport is baseball but we found out that everybody in the class either had mine or branded signature (laughs) so branded literally the first thing he ever says to me is so you think you know more about me about baseball? You know shit. <laughs> That's how we became friends. That's pretty much 90% of our friendships start on threats or insults. Yeah. And I completely schooled him though. He, he oh, didn't stand a what chance a against me. I mean, Brandon, oh, yeah. Brandon knows baseball, but uh, basketball is his number one. You can't touch him on basketball, I think. Well, but... He still also doesn't know history. Yeah, That's fair. I know history. <laughs> That's right. I had a lot of free time growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pretty Hence much. This podcast, how I retain information. You and, stopped uh, all the childhood memories that me and you go over. You stopped playing rec sports by what? Eight, grade seven, eight, two years uh, of ABC. Yeah, yeah, Magic? yeah, I did two years of baseball. I still play no, like rec sports in general. I played ABC Magic through to grade eight. Yeah, so like I kept playing hockey till I was like sixteen. You stopped oh, any yeah, yeah, any of those yeah, sports I, I till like maybe I was playing grade nine. I can't I, remember. I I played I my last you... year, so I had a really good year. My first, I think I did three years ABC Magic. I had a really good year, and then I had a shit year. And you know what? One of the reasons game show host was on my team. <laughs> that kid will that kid will make your life miserable. Um, and then the next year I had a really good year. So I wanted to end, knowing how shit the year I had before was, I want to end yeah. on a good year. So I ended on a good year. That's fair. I yeah. my I remember my first year, I had a couple of good players on my team, but like no one taught me a damn thing. And I wasn't as tall back then. So I went to get a rebound and I stood right under the net. Ball hit me in the nose. I would fold Marsha Brady. <laughs> or was it was it or was it Jan Brady, the guy always got hit in the nose? Uh Marsha got hit in the nose. Yeah. Yeah. And cause so I had to leave for like 10 minutes to like stop a bloody nose. <laughs> I remember, uh, I tell you, they used to always match me and Campbell up because we're big fat kids and we weren't very good. So we were a good pair to match up. <laughs> he got four fouls on me in like less than a minute. And one of them, he just straight up tackled me. What a shock. <laughs> he said he was trying to get in between me and the ball, but he just got me. I mean, you hit him at the bat and in grade school because he ran into your backswing you guys have a rough and tumble history yeah so while we were battling through these technical issues i took a because you're always saying when you have a cigar you're supposed to have a uh some sugar in your system or something yeah it counteracts the nicotine poisoning nicotine poisoning good stuff um so i had this random bottle of mountain it doesn't even say mountain dew it just says mtn dew uh, yeah, they're shorting it to MTM. I had, I had a can of Mountain Dew the other day. It was MTN Dew. Uh, and it's the blue voltage. And I took one sip. I'm like, oh, 
That is a sweet drink. That is terrible. I went full Brockmire. Hey, I, I you, you're not going to feel woozy after that cigar if you nurse that drink. I have not had pop in a couple of years, and that uh, it's not good. <laughs> Although, leave I it love to me. those Mountain Dew drinks, by the way. I love them. Leave it to me to make my triumphant return to pop have like the most white trashiest drink. <laughs> You're classing it up by having a cigar with it. You just need to pour the uh, the Mountain Dew into a nice snifter. <laughs> All right. Well, we you know we could attempt to do an episode here. Oh, you know what I should also mention? What's that? One of the reasons why we didn't record this earlier is because I've spent the last week battling COVID. Yep. Yes, I had COVID, um, and it's a weird variant that has hit us up here in Thunder Bay. Um, I felt I I, I, ha- I woke up with a sore throat on the Friday. And I was like, shit, I think this is it. Because people at my work had it. And um, had a coworker of mine drop me off a box of tests in the morning before. I went driving around, like, with my mask on, looking for tests. No one had them. Uh, took the test, negative. Okay. All right. Came to work. Felt much worse as the day went along. Sore throat and just exhaustion. And chills. Bad chills. Uh, but I tested when I got home. And still nothing right yeah. it took me four days of being sick as a dog before i finally tested positive and that was when i was starting to feel better so, so got a week off work my wife and my son both have it so we got to stay inside as a family do some quality quality bonding um of course i had tickets that friday night for dr strange 2 which I still haven't seen. And because I don't want the movie spoiled for me, I've been avoiding social media and I've been avoiding YouTube. And so I've been watching, I'll close my eyes like to a squint where I can just see shapes on the screen. And I get to the YouTube search bar without giving anything away. So I've just been watching like old ball games and, uh, and old curb. I've gone through basically the whole series of curb. <laughs> yeah from start to not to, not quite to finish i'm on like the season before this one which i haven't you know, finished this one yet when i took my stress leave from work mm-hmm. uh i'm back now uh, we just want to go back on another leave such a pain in the ass um keep talking i'm gonna make myself another drink all right uh so I, i'm gonna get drunk during this episode <laughs> i started that uh that's why I asked you when we were doing the baseball draft, like when you stopped watching Shameless, because that's a show that I started. Oh, and um, just because I was like, uh, I was literally s- scrolling through something, and I was like, well, Ted pitched this show so low that uh, you know, if I if I abandon it, I won't feel bad. Some I have a weird completion thing where even if a show is bad, I still kind of, except for a couple, like Breaking Bad, I never finished. But even like Dexter, I sat through the end of Dexter, although they redeemed themselves with their uh, little reboot miniseries thing. But uh, and I thought you were a lot further on Breaking Bad too. Yeah, I remember um, my brother. I thought he was like, "Oh yeah, I saw Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad." Uh, and then I showed him the video. Wait, have you how have you finished it now? No, still have. <laughs> Wait, are, are, have you have you completed the Gus Fring storyline? Uh, the last episode. Actually, I remember exactly the last episode. Uh, it was the start of the last season. I was watching it. With okay. Ma- I was watching it with Malcolm at yeah. his house because this is right before. Oh, God, I was- it's been a long time. Yeah, this because him and I uh, were hanging out literally one of the last days before I went back to university, 
And I literally left his house. I think he paused it. He's like, I'm going to finish this later, brother. I'll see you later. Uh, and so I left. And uh, but pretty much right after the magnets, bitch, scene in the in the first episode of the last season or the yeah first episode of season six. Was it the, was the last season? Yeah. Six or seven. Was, so you got him where he's got the big beard. He goes to the diner and they make the 41 yeah. with the bacon. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, this was. Um, this would have been. So Alex, I thought he'd seen the whole thing because my parents and my sister had seen the whole thing and I was watching the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, oh, you've got to touch the Rona. No, I just ever since I got my, my shot, I just had the cold like symptoms, but it's well, also. Yeah, like, it's the second and third shot are the yeah. ones where you get the um, reaction. I was fine the first shot. Yeah, Not, same. But second shot, I just, I knew what it was too. So I'm like, it hit me at work and I was like, I'm going home early. I'm going to bed. And literally I got home from work uh fred wasn't here yet so i didn't have to look after anybody i just went right to bed slept until morning felt great honestly all it is it's been i had a slight cough the other day scratchy throat and then today it's just my nose has been running like a faucet that's it yeah yeah uh, no, that, the nose running is interesting because uh that wasn't really part of the side effect to the uh the vaccine but, for me but um, this is the other thing too is uh jake Jake and I went to sushi last Saturday and he caught it. So I don't know. I, I could have had it right as I got the second shot. So it could be one of two things. So uh, well, the good news is the shot's still going to work. It's still going to help you. It just, if you get it at this point, it, it's probably going to be a little bit more intense. Because Campbell, I mean, Campbell got it after his first shot. In fact, he had to postpone his second shot because he got it. The, uh, um, and it I mean, if this awkward. is it, the runny nose is more of just a pain in the ass, but it's, I feel fine. Just a, oh, yeah. If you, if you don't so, have a sore throat, you don't have, you know, body aches. Body aches are the worst part of it. No, I didn't have body aches. I just, yeah, yeah I had the scratchy throat. And then now I just sound nasally like it's a seasonal cold. That's pretty much yeah. it now. Cause also, you know, pollen is high right now in the Hamilton area. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, we went, we didn't really get much of a spring. We went from freezing cold to lukewarm to now it's freaking hot as balls like all my kids that we had a game today uh and all my kids are like i'm so hot like the kids are sitting in right field like fanning themselves i'm like I, you're exuding more energy fanning yourself stop fanning yourself <laughs> i envy you really like we we're, we're, we're at kind of basically where you are where we didn't get a spring we got a very long winter this year yeah. Um, mm. And like finally the grass is green. I'm in the backyard, right? No bees yet. I haven't seen any bees. Um, but like I'm wearing, like Josh Adam Myers got nothing on me, man. I'm the king of fleece today. <laughs> Staying warm in this, right? Uh, like this is comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, I bet you if you wore a fleece right now, you'd be sweating your rag off. Oh, I'm wearing a thermal just because it's uh I was wearing my black run the jewel shirt earlier and I was wearing like all black at this game and the sun was beating down on me. I came home sweating buckets. So I'm like, I got to put something white on to take some of this heat out. And it's still a thermal, but it's also got like patchy holes. I might as well just rip it in half. Look at this. I know. I lost all my thermal. Brian, (laughs) back again. This guy used to get sent home when we worked at um, Mind Games together because he'd show up to work at a retail store. With a shirt that was more whole than shirt. Excuse me. You got I never... one compliment from Mike Pajek on that Echo shirt and refused to throw it away. Uh, actually, I never got sent home from that place. I got oh, sent yeah. home from uh, when I worked in a call center for Kojiko. And I was wearing like that, you know, that white or that, sorry, not white, the red shirt, the nice red button up that I had. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, probably. I, don't know. I, I was wearing this, the Echo shirt under it. And so my supervisor, all he saw was like the holy elbows. And he's just like, Brian, he's like, you got to lose that shirt. Just wear the one shirt over top. I'm like, all right, fine. So I went to the, I went to the washroom to take it off and just like stuffed it in my bag. And I just wore the, I felt weird because uh, wearing a button up shirt without yeah. an undershirt. I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. You know, uh, if it is, if it's scorching hot and I'm just in the backyard or something like that, or just hanging around the house, I'll do the shirt with no undershirt. Yeah. But as far as going to work or being around people or being in public, oh, you need an undershirt. Yeah. You need a layer. But yeah. So Especially wide, when you're a bigger guy. Why Ted? Oh, yeah. Especially sweat stains. Plus, uh, you know, you never, you don't want to be that guy who, like reaches up for something on the shelf and like your belly's showing because like the undershirt usually protects that if you're a fat yeah. guy. So especially if you tuck in the undershirt. If I have a long enough undershirt, I'll do the tuck. All right. Well, how about to start it off? Give me a little insight on the first time you ever heard a great big C. Actually, it is a hilarious first insight. Well, I would love to hear it. Do you remember a childhood friend of ours, Scott Langard? Of course I do. So one day, I can't remember if this was at school or at home. How can I forget Scott? He was one of our closest friends. I know. He literally lived across the street from you. Um, I forget where it was, if it was at school or if it was at home. But he just comes right up to me, uh-huh. gets right in my personal space, and he just starts screaming the lyrics to Mary Mac. He's like, Mary Mac's mother's making Mary Mac, Mary Mac. I'm like, what the fuck are you singing right now? Pardon my French. And he's like, what is that? I was like, are you, are you possessed? He's speaking in tongues. And he's like, no, it's this band, Great Big C. And I was like, oh, okay. And then play came out and Ordinary Day and it was uh, that and then so i was like oh this is the band that scott was obnoxiously screaming in my face <laughs> well i do remember and i don't know if you got it from scott or who but you brought play over to my house one day yeah play play on. was one of the first uh that and sloan were like two of the first uh actual band not compilations but band albums i got we put it on the in the old family cd player and boy, howdy, did we ever have a good time. You and me, I think my brother and my sister were there too, dancing around uh, all that uh, East Coast music. We loved it. And they were like yeah. the first band outside of Bare Naked Ladies or Will Smith that I was like, love these guys. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it, I have very fond memories and I definitely had fond memories going through this list. Um, if you are not Canadian, um, let me put it this way. If you go to a bar in Canada and there is a guy with an acoustic guitar and a microphone, you better know a great big seesaw. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's really two, like great big C and then like Spirit of the West, Home for a Rest are like the most uh, Canadian Celtic songs that we hear next to like the Rankin family and shit, but they're not really Celtic, right? Oh, Rankin family's more country. Yeah, that's what I thought. Country adult contemporary. They, they, right. they, they, they do, if you ever see a Rankin family, and I'm not trying to talk shit about the Rankin family, your buddy, <laughs> Rob, is it Rob? Yeah, I mean, but yeah, Rob. Yeah, okay, Rob, not talking shit about the Rankin family. What I'm trying <laughs> to say is when you see them in concert, they bring out all the little kids playing fiddles and like yeah. it's a big thing. It's very East Coast. Yeah. 
Um, but like the songs that have gotten them Juno nominations haven't been so as East Coast is Great Big Sea. Sure. That's what I'm trying to say there. You also had uh, Leahy. Leahy was a big East Coast band. Right. And Ashley McIsaac. Instrumental and step dancing and yeah. stuff like that. You had Natalie McMaster. Yeah. She was a big East Coast fiddle player. Uh, Ashley McIsaac. Right. The East Devil Coast in the kitchen friggin' rips. Oh, yeah. East Coast music here is, it, it, it's, it's a tradition. Yeah. You know? And uh, I, I, in two months, I'm going to Nova Scotia. And uh, I'll get my first taste of maritime life. One of I'm these days, I'm gonna, I want to visit my buddy Rob. He's, he's a great guy, and I guess he's got a new lady friend. I haven't talked to him a bit unless they're not together anymore. But they're living together, so I hope they're still together. I hope so. Uh, and is so, he still uh, down east? Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't think he's ever coming back to Ontario. He uh, he had his uh, four or five years working for Tim's camp, and then like if, if you're gonna spend like four years in Ontario, like he spent like for the in the best places. Like he spent a couple of years in Perry Sound, like beautiful cottage country. Yeah. Uh, then he was he moved over to Port Carling, where this is where my grandma had her cottage. So he lived in Perry Sound. This Rob guy. Yeah. Well, he he lived on site with the camp because he was what he was a. Oh, program. okay. He was a program staffer for a couple of years. And so he was there in the off seasons too, like, cause they'd have school groups come in and they would do like uh fall. It's similar to what I did for the Y just like random outdoor programming, just in the fall. Not to massage my ego. Yeah. Did he know who I was? I think he probably would. If I said, <laughs> I don't think he knew you by name, but I think he's just like, he probably like, they probably had the moose going and stuff. So I'm sure he probably listened to you at some okay. point. Okay. Because okay. actually, one of my bosses, she definitely, because uh, I was like, oh, yeah, my friend literally just works 20 minutes down the road. He's like, what's your friend do? He's like, oh, he's on the radio. He's like, who's your friend? He's like, Ted, he does. I think you did drive time at the, or you mornings. Yeah. yeah he's like, he's I, did, I did Wednesday to Sunday. So it okay. was it was driving weekends. Okay. So he's like, like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. That's it. So. <laughs> We're going to get into the script. Now, keep it, keep in mind, I have prided myself in doing these scripts as sober as possible. Yeah. Occasionally, I have a beer. So if I'm stumbling through, <laughs> or if my words get slurred for this black rum that I'm drinking, please forgive me. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's, uh, you know, people... <laughs> Mark Normand and Sam Morell have a podcast called We Might Be Drunk, where they just get blasted the whole time. (laughs) I just, I remember you and me doing a podcast back in the day, and I would put a little whiskey in my uh, coffee when we do it, even early in the morning, and I'd be slurring my words by the end of it. I was just embarrassed. (laughs) So uh, let's hope we get through this one okay. All right. So this is the season premiere of season three, Great Big C part one. Okay. By the way, before you get started, sorry, last one last thing before you get started. I told Jake we were doing C, uh, Great Big C. He's like, finally, something I'm interested in. <laughs> Not that yeah, he wasn't. He would be interested in too many of the acts we've done before. Yeah, but yeah, I thought that was funny. Park Hill being too into swollen members. Or <laughs> He's like, yeah. he'd be like Flanders when they're gambling with uh, pennies. He'd be like, what is this? He's Just terrified. terrified. <laughs> All right. Well, the history of Great Big Sea dates back to 1989 in merry old Newfoundland. That's when Daryl Power, Sean McCann, and Bob Hallett comprised one half of a six-piece band called the NRA. 
Now, the NRA did not stand for the National Rifle Association. <laughs> it stood for the Newfoundland Republican Army. And they'd win first prize at the Memorial University of Newfoundland's Winter Talent Show, which was one of only two, ba- two shows they play together as NRA. So it's pretty good. Yeah. That's getting the top of the mountain pretty quick. Yeah. Um, however, they would undergo a remodeling after these two shows. Uh, they dropped their fiddle player and their accordion player and their name. And uh, as a four piece, they'd play uh, pub shows across St. John's and they were called Rankin Street. Now we're talking about the Rankin family. Rankin yeah. Street and the Rankin family. It'd kind of be like Rise Against and Rides Again. Do you remember mm. Rides Again was on Edge 102 at the same time yeah. as Rise Against? Or Against like, Me and uh, uh, what was Rise the other against. one? Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you God. go. <laughs> Seagar is making my head swim. Drink some of that pop. Ugh, so sweet. It counteracts. You got me a sweet drink, Lamont. Oh, thanks, Fred. All right. Well, as a four piece, they play St. John's as Rankin Street, and they got the name for Rankin Street after their original bassist, Jeff Scott's apartment, where the members first met and started getting together with the idea like, yeah, we can play pubs and stuff like that. Uh, membership would change hands quite a bit. Sometime at this point, they added Alan Doyle. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. Now, Alan Doyle was an English student at Memorial, just like the rest of the members. And he had been playing in an acoustic group called, I love this name, Staggering Home. Because if you ever lived a walking distance from a bar, <laughs> Staggering Home is part of the part of the experience. Um, now, joining the band, Doyle would say, Rankin Street had a PA system. I had a van. And that made this a match made in heaven. So there you go. Uh, after touring for almost 300 days a year between 1991 and 1993, the first show the four would play under the name Great Big C came on March 11th, 1993 at a Memorial University show where they'd open for one of their biggest influences, the Irish Descendants. Later that year, Great Big C would release their first album. It was self-titled, independently released, and co-produced by Pat James. The album is filled with both original and traditional compositions, as well as the cover of Newfoundland literary hero Johnny Burke's Excursion Around the Bay. Oh me, oh my, I think I'm gonna die. Oh me, oh my, I heard me all I say. I wish I'd never taken this excursion around the bay. Which became a, uh, a staple of Great Big Sea live shows. Actually, uh, while we're on this live show subject, how many times have you seen Great Big C live and expand on their live show, if you will. Twice. What's, what's it like? Um, I saw them for Fortune's Favor, and I saw them sh- like a year to a couple years later. Jake bought me tickets for my birthday there at Hamilton Place, nice little theater show. Um, and you know, it's it's as advertised. It's it's a party, and but it's it's a party where like you know, if you want to go and get respectively bombed with your friends that's fine if you want to bring your like six-year-old son or your 80-year-old grandpa pounding whiskey that's fine too it's literally for everyone and uh, the day the first time we went was at ontario place uh before the echo beach and it started to piss rain and yeah. that didn't stop people from dancing in the aisles i saw these girls with like homemade great big sea shirts these like probably like early late teens early 20 somethings they were just rocking out and like 
No, I. You got to be a real pouty patty, yeah, to fight to to leave a great big sea show and just be like. Eh. Although I used to think the same thing about Bruce, and uh, when he played Hamilton, there was this couple behind us who were pissed off because he didn't play like something from like uh, Born to Run, and Jake Jake's like. What's wrong with you? He played like this, 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 and this. And uh, they're like, uh, well, he wanted to hear this song. It's like, he played 20 other fuckers. Like, Jake, thought he was kind of like stroke. So clearly the only Bruce album they knew was Born to Run. Yeah, probably. That happens. Maybe well, Born you, in the USA. Which is funny that you uh, talked about that Ontario Play show. Because me, my brother, and my sister saw James Taylor at Ontario Place uh, for my sister's birthday. Yeah. And um, he did not play Fire and Rain. And you want to talk about... He put on a great show. Yeah. You want to talk about like a room full of upset people. We were singing Fire and Rain in protest as we left. <laughs> I couldn't believe they didn't do Fire and Rain. And um, But it was funny. It was pissing down rain at that show too. We got soaked. And Alex is sitting there like, like when the hell is he going to come out? Because he's like, let's take it forever for the show to start. And Alex goes... <laughs> James Taylor is afraid of thunder and lightning. <laughs> <laughs> He's hiding under a desk. Well, I yeah. can't go out there. Yeah, your brother has this weird caricature of James Taylor like he's butters, but you think it's like a former heroin addict. <laughs> you think James Taylor is very timid. Would you ever see that like behind the scenes footage from uh, Funny People where they couldn't get James Taylor to say fuck? I didn't, you've told me about it, but I haven't. Uh... Yeah, so the, the, he's supposed to say, because it's established in a previous scene, Jonah Hill's like, fuck Facebook. And, yeah. and James Taylor's supposed to say, fuck Facebook. Like he stole Jonah Hill's joke or he came up with it. So uh, Rogan right. can't use that joke. And he went, Facebook sucks. <laughs> Judd Apatow's like, James, you have to say fuck. He's like, I don't want to say fuck. <laughs> He's like, yeah, like you do it. It's been established on the scenes. Oh, I don't want to say the F word. I can't do it. He's making it seem like someone's like making him kill someone to get in the mafia. He's like, you want to be part of the team? Kill this guy. He's like, don't make me do it. He didn't want to do it. Anyway, Excursion Around the Bay, though. That was a Johnny Burke song. And Burke would be one of the band's biggest influences. We'll get to another cover of Johnny Burke that they did later in their discography that proved to be one of the band's best-known songs. But Excursion Around the Bay, that is quintessential Great Big C. You know, they are very lucky. I mean, well, everyone I know who grew up, actually, I don't know any. Brent's mom is from Newfoundland, right? Or it's like Newfie Heritage. Yep, yep, she's from Newfoundland, yep. Uh, but like the way those guys talk about their home, they have a very unique upbringing that people from like Ontario, like Hamilton especially, like we have our unique upbringing, people that grew up like, you know, like my dad, my granddad all worked for like DeFasco or something like that. We didn't have that, but like other people do. Oh, yeah. But like those little the shanties the sea shanties and these original songs that get passed down like newfoundland literally is its own nation state it feels like it really is it's really tight and uh i'll actually give you a little story about that so when my parents came up to visit right after freddie was born they bought him a hamilton tiger cats onesie and so I put him right in that Hamilton Tiger Cats onesie, right? <laughs> Took a picture of like, they've been born at Thunder Bay, but this kid's a Hamiltonian, true to heart. You know what I mean? And I kind of called out all the Prince relatives because they're all from the East Coast. Right. And I was like, uh, I'm like, give it two weeks. Someone from out East is going to send him a, uh, uh, an East Coast living shirt. Ugh. Two weeks. East Coast living shirt arrives at our door. <laughs> 
so many people rock those like East Coast lifestyle hoodies. My buddy They're Andrew huge. has like six of them. They're huge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My my mother-in-law's got a bunch of them. Brent's got one, and Freddie's got one. I don't have one because I'm not from the East Coast, right? Obviously, but uh, oh yeah, they are huge. When I went to Calgary once, they had an East Coast living store in the mall in Calgary. Because Even though Calgary's in the Midwest, there. I guess there's they all that come many maritimers who live out oil there. jobs and shit. Yeah, yeah, they all migrate. They're all over the place. These East Coasters. One kid, I'd be hard pressed if I didn't tell this story just because it, it kind of applies. So when I worked at the camp, there was this kid, the weirdest fucking kid I've ever met. Nice kid, <laughs> super weird. Like he literally had the like the heart and the mannerisms of like a 90-year-old newfie. Like he just had like no restraint. He'd get up in your biz, like like all the other kids, like we pick up these kids on the bus and bring them into camp and stuff. And they, they everyone be kind of timid because no one knows anyone. And they're like, they're, everyone's afraid to talk. Like, so they would just watch the movie in peace. So me and the other counselors would be sitting up at the front of the bus. Like someone might bring a book or their headphones or whatever. Just watch the movie. This kid, no regard, just walks up. He's like, who you be? He just starts like talking to us like some like old movie. Like, who is this kid? Not to, not to mention. I love it. Not to mention, he has this like weird wonk guy. So like that just adds extra character. And uh, so like we all had camp names because we like we always like kept our real names a mystery till the last night before they left. Like some people let it slip before or whatever. So mine was Skip and my co-counselor who was on, or on the who was on the bus with is someone, you know, uh, he was Floki. That's that was his camp name is that the guy that married um, Bryn's friend. Oh shit! Um, Eon or Owen or whatever. Owen, Owen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like spelled Eon or something. But yeah, super great guy. I love that guy. So we're on the bus, and so he's like, "Who you be?" He's like, "I'm Skip." He's like, "Skip it. Nice to meet you." And then I'm like, "Oh, this is not gonna. This is gonna get old super fast." And then he's like, "He's like, who are you?" And he's like, "Floki." He's like, "I don't know how to say that, so I'm just gonna call you Charles." <laughs> I'm like, "Who is this kid?" <laughs> this kid sounds awesome. Oh, he was a riot, but he was also annoying. Christopher, that was his name, Christopher. And so, like, literally in the morning, he loved me. Like, I was, like, the only one yeah. that tolerated him. Everyone else was like, get the fuck out of my face. So I would poke my head out of the cabins down the hallway. Like, literally, I'm like, Shh. all you hear is, good day there, Skippy. And I'm like, I just closed the cabin door. I'm like, fuck this. Um, but I'm like, so he, when he first. About how old? Just, just. He was like 12 or 13. 12, okay, yeah, yeah. And so the, the first thing he says to us after is like, who you be? He's like, do you come from the Bay? And so he's from this town called Barry's Bay, which is okay. like somewhere between like Perry Sound and I think it's like North Bay. It's like past North Bay, like on the way to Ottawa because I remember passing it when I drove through this Ottawa. This is this kid or this is Owen? Uh, this kid is from North Bay kid, or okay. uh, from Barry's Bay. He's like, I'm from, I come from the Bay. Like, what bay? North Bay? Thunder Bay? There's like a million bays. He's like, Barry's Bay. But he sounds like he's like a newfie. And then wow. so like, like a couple of weeks later, or it was either a couple of weeks later or the year after, he didn't come back because I think he aged out of this one particular camp. So he might have gone to a different camp the next year. But his cousin, who lived also in Barry's Bay, came. And she was a sweetheart. This like quiet, timid guy. And it's like, you're Christopher's cousin. He's like, yeah. And he's like, He's like, why don't you talk like him? He's like, she's like, no one in the family talks like this guy. 
he literally he, like it's like you he, he was born of a newfie family and they just dropped him off in Barry's Bay. Like he was oh such god, a character. Like, oh my god, he's so fun. And so, like, even like this kid rang so such memories for a lot of the counselors, like my buddy Rob and another guy, uh I forget, I forget his Carmelo. Uh I think that's his name. Fuck. Anyway, it's irrelevant. They were driving through Barry's Bay and they just like videotaped it on their phones. So they're like, Skiffy, do you come from the bay? And I'm like, oh, that was great. I love it. I yeah. want to meet that kid. I know. I, I had oh, to tell man. that story just because like that's about as close as I got before I actually met some people from Newfoundland. Like literally the next year, I actually had a kid in my cabin from Newfoundland. Actually, he, sorry, I got to go on one last tangent. This kid. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So this kid was like this little toughest nails little pasty white kid and like no one under could understand what he was talking about but he was in this cabin with all these like street kids from like detroit or like ohio very rough and tumble kids but he like won their respect because i like tough as nails he was <laughs> like he was like he it's kind of like b rabbit and eight mile like amongst all these like black dudes you know what i mean he won he yeah. won their respect <laughs> so i thought that was kind of funny um Culturally, they were completely different, but they loved them. You will get East Coast posers who are not from the Maritimes. Yeah. But maybe they've got extended family from the Maritimes and they want to act like that. Do you remember? He's not going to hear this. Do you remember Ward? Ward McKenzie? Yeah. Ward McKenzie. So there was a, he, he was kind of an East Coast. still there? Yeah. Yes, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I think he was in, I think he was actually from Tillyburg. Um, but I went out to Jack Astor's with him and Andy Lacroix. You remember Andy Lacroix? Andy uh, Lacroix. But if you were Andy Lacroix, had he would be afraid to tell you to shut up or stop <laughs> it or whatever. So we go to Jack Astor's, the three of us, and Ward gets the fish and chips, and he takes his knife and he spreads mm. the tartar sauce on the two pieces of fish like the toast, and proceeds to eat the whole meal with his hands, going. This is how we do it on the East Coast. This is how we do it out in Newfoundland. And Andy's like, not in fucking Newfoundland. You're in a restaurant <laughs> with people who are embarrassed to be seen with you because eating is a fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. Oh, I miss that Andy Lacroix. I, I, mean, We're I am curious. Friends, I never talked to him. I am curious what the uh, custom of fish and chips is over there. Because I'll I'm, tell you I, when I go. All right, I can eat some fish and chips when I'm out there. Are you kidding? Me? I went out west and ate a lot of fish and chips when I visited my uncle a couple oh, many yeah, years ago. But uh, different type of fish, but good fish. Yeah. All right. Uh, what did you think about that self-titled album? I think it was a good blueprint for what Great Big Sea was to come. Um, obviously, Drunken Sailor, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, drunken sailor what do you do with a drunken sailor what do you do with a drunken sailor early in the morning like a couple of solid songs in there but like i could see a lot uh, or a lot of fall off you know like let's say great big sea came back together and okay. uh, wanted to do like a reunion tour and they're pulling together a set list I don't see much off of this making the cut. You know what I mean? If that well, makes they, sense. They still play excursion around the bay. Except like that and that and drunken, drunken sailor. sailor. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. much it. Uh, like, they do couple... eyes the buy. I can't remember. Eyes the buy is a great one. It was great, but I'm just saying I can't remember if it was. It's uh, 
It Jake, was one of their ones they still did. Yeah, Jake would be the better aficionado because I know he's seen them a few more times than I have. But uh, okay, I still well, really I, enjoyed it. I, I didn't want to pick. I did feel it dra- drag towards the end of the song. Yeah. Um, I said I like the song Berry Picking Time, but going from a song that's mostly instrumental to a ballad to another instrumental yeah. is not a good move. You got to space that shit out. However, what I really liked about this album is that they sound like they do today on that album. Yeah. Like early Great Big C sounds like today's Great Big C. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, it's not like they're like, oh, what are we going to be? Who are we going to be? They knew yeah. what they were going for. It's just they just got better at it. Exactly. Like they found that sound immediately. Yeah. Which you can't say about a lot of bands that would come yeah. on the show. Uh, even bands that have turned into seminal Canadian bands. Yeah. Um, the songs I liked, well, they're all deep cuts because it never released a single from this album. Yeah. But uh, I mentioned Eyes the Buy. We talked about Drunken Sailor. Uh, Someday Soon, which was an Alan Doyle one. I really, yeah. really liked too. Um, and Doyle, I, here's the thing about Alan Doyle. Um, and you'll see this as he, as he goes along. His songwriting is a little bit cheesy. Yeah. It's cheesy, but he's got the big voice that makes up for it. Yeah. So he can write a song about eating grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. But because he's got that big voice, it's going to yeah. sound like an epic tale. Well, I mean, yeah, he's he's got the ability to, when he writes a soulful song, like a Boston to St. John's, he can sing it very soulful. He's got an amazing voice. But if the lyrics are kind of hokey or whatever, then it's it doesn't always land. Uh, but that actually, I was listening to them last weekend and it brought me to, you know, we're always talking whenever there's like a duality of bands, you know, are you a Cuddy guy or a Keeler guy or what have you? Are you more Mad Child or Prevail? Are you a Sean McCann or an Alan Doyle? That'll be interesting as we discover. Think about it. Well, okay. I've got some notes in here about that. Let's wait till we get to play. Yeah, yeah. That's that what fair? I'm saying. You don't. You don't have to answer now. You don't. You can even hold on to that till the end of part two. You can think I, about I, it. Yeah, I could. Because uh, if but, I got to pick between the two, that's going to be tough. Yeah. But um. Yeah. One thing I like about Sean McCann, not related to his music, he likes his he likes his private life. So whenever he talks about his family in the media, he calls his sons. He has two sons. He calls them Thing One and Thing Two. He doesn't. <laughs> he never gives out their names. I, I respect. Well, yeah. That. Well, you know what? Good. Good for him. Yeah. It's just it's funny. That's all. But anyway, continue. Well, uh, the, the record would later be released, even though it didn't do much in terms of big sales at the time. It would later be released by Warner Music, who they wound up signing on for for their uh, subsequent releases. Uh, it would get gold stat- status across Canada, which isn't too bad. I think it's a lot of people going back. They love Great Big C. They go back to get that first album sure. to help the sales. But still, it's pretty good for a, a re-released album. Yeah. Uh, it would be another two years before Great Big C would put out another disc. But through word of mouth and diligent touring, they began to develop a following who definitely showed up for their first major label release, Up, which came up in September of 1995. I do remember you pushing this one on me when I was younger. Really? Because I liked playing. You're like, oh, I'm going to get you Great Big C's first album for your birthday. I'm like, Brian, I don't want it. Like, play. Please, good. I don't want some other album. You're like, no, but you're going to love it. You like the one, you're going to love the other one. Brian, I'm happy with play. I don't want to rock the boat. Because that's how I looked at it back then. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is good. Why would I, why would I want something else? Um, Up was recorded at the Nickel and the Sound Hole and was produced by Danny Greenspoon. Now, he's produced more than 50 albums. For the likes of Spirit of the West, Ian Tyson, the Barra McNeils, and Puka Orchestra, 
and has also played guitar for acts like Murray McLaughlin, Kate and Anne McGarrigal, and the Romantics. Sorry, the Romaniacs, not the Romantics. Very different band. <laughs> I told you, drinking the black rum, it's going to do something. And he's won a couple of Gemini Awards as well for his work in the documentary My Grandparents Had a Hotel and the variety show The Gospel Challenge. It sounds like a very lame reality show. <laughs> <laughs> to date, uh, this is Great Big C's best-selling album in Canada, going four times platinum and making it to number 45 on the album charts. Now, they put out four singles from this album, and I'm not going to lie, it wasn't until I worked for the Moose and Perry sound that I realized that this was a cover. Because it just sounds so East Coast and so Great Big C. How could it be by anybody else? Yeah. But Run, Run Away, a cover of the English arena rock band, Slade. And Slade's cover sounds totally different. Uh, that was the first song that was released. And uh, it's one of their best known tracks. See chameleon lying there in the sun. All things to everyone, run, run away. But in chart. That's crazy. Don't know how that happened. It did get them their first Juno nomination, though, for uh, Best Music Video, but they'd lose to uh, Burnt Out Car by Junk House. Got a feeling that was quite a different music video than just happy <laughs> movies singing on a cliff or however that goes. I think that uh, the bass man, Daryl P- Power, was wearing a Leafs jersey playing his bass or something like that, as I recall. The only video I remember from this album was the, the Merrimack video. Well, let's talk about Merrimack, because that was the next single. You take your mind, unless your mind is changed. You make it near range, but the feeling was deranged. Marriage is enough, a lot of taking. Merrimack's spoons, making Merrimack money me. My mother's making me marry Merrimack. Well, I'm going to marry Merrimack. Well, I'm going to marry Merrimack. Well, I'm going to marry Merrimack. Such a great song. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, it's so fast-paced. Yeah. And that's another one. Guy with an acoustic guitar at a bar. Yeah. Wants to get the crowd going, especially if you got to play with kids. You yeah. don't know how many times I've seen really pro acoustic guitar guys break on a cover of Merrimack and him telling the audience, okay, when I say Merrimack, you're going to say, Merrimack, I'm on the road, Merrimack, and just get the whole crowd going. It's yeah. awesome. That came out next. Uh, that was a Scottish folk tune that they did in their own great big C way. That has become one of their more popular things. And if you're like Scott Langer, you like to get in people's faces and <laughs> shout at them. Merrimack, a mother and a mother. Anyhow, they got some chart success with uh, Going Up. That's a nice little acu- uh, accordion and a uh, percussion heavy tune. In the kitchen, and there's always room for more. Oh, come on now. Let's talk the world outside. Sung by Alan Doyle, that got to number 53 in the uh, adult contemporary charts. That's a good tune. Yep. Uh, but the best charting single was Fast As I Can. I'm going fast as I can. Please don't make me rush. This feeling's coming on way too fast. I'll tell you all of the things that you never forget. But I'm not ready to say I love you. Sung by Alan Doyle, that got to number 53 in the uh, adult contemporary charts. That's a good tune. Yep. A lovely little ballad about yep. not rushing into a serious relationship that's very heavy on the tin whistle. Made it to yep. number 40 in the Canadian charts. I am surprised because if someone were to ask me, Ted, off the top of your head, what songs are on Up? I would say Run Run Away and Mary Mac. Yeah, I would old, not old mention those rum. last two. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, this came out in what, 95? Mm. I don't know, maybe adult contemporary stations and things like that caught wind and like the, the softer touch made, it, made shows that they're versatile, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you think about it, the Celtic stuff, you know, the dude from Alexis on Fire once said, it's amazing we ever got Which any, dude? Uh, the George. Okay. <laughs> and a couple actually, of dudes. Uh, Alexis, <laughs> or uh, uh, Dallas Green said it too. They're like, it's a miracle we ever got played on much music. Because when you think about the guy who sounds like he's got a friggin' uh, lawnmower in his throat and like this aggressive music, how is it radio friendly? You know what I mean? And like, yeah. it's kind of like Great Big C. It's like, it's not like it's a... There's a lot of all folk Celtic stations kicking around this area. You know what I mean? So it's like the fact the fact that they got much radio play, it would have to be more on the adult contempo top 40. So they would probably go to a more poppier or softer song. So it makes sense. We'll get into this one a little. <clears throat> it's like the old we'll bait and switch. Little... Someone hears this. Uh, someone hears like this soft song. And they're like, oh, yeah. this is nice. I'll pick up this album. And then it's all these like Celtic jams. Like, what the hell? But I like well, it. Well. I think that that's something that kind of came prevalent later in their run because in Canada, when you get as big as Great Big C got, yeah, you can't ignore them. Sure. And I'll talk about this later, but you know, once play came out, when I'm up, I can't get down an ordinary day. That'll get played on much music. Yeah. That'll get played on CMT, the country music station. Yeah. That'll get played on uh, much more music, the our VH1 equivalent with adult contemporary. Like right. everyone would play it. Edge never picked up on Great Big C, which makes no. sense. Yeah, they're not. But um, apart from like specific rock or specific urban radio, everyone else was playing them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, they didn't have an audience, but at the same time, their audience was everybody. Right. Yeah. Before we move on to the next album, or we're still you... on up for All a right, few fine. more points here. I threw it up on our Instagram a while back. But uh, that video that you did for uh, the score that you want to uh, get into that right now, I've got I've got that in here. All right, do you want to you want to jump now or do you want to save it? Um, no, let's talk about now. All right, so yeah. the score sports station had a had a contest called Drafted to to be like the a reality show for the next sportscaster on the score. Actually, I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Jackie Redman, who's no longer with uh, Sportsnet, but I'm pretty sure she won that. No, she was season two. Was she? Oh, okay. Yeah, the guy who won it, I don't know what he ended up doing. I think he might be on their bet, their betting station now, okay. score betting, which is always at the beginning of every Blue Jay game. I think he's one of those guys. But he didn't hit the heights of Jackie Redman. <laughs> um. But yeah, so Ted and I made a little video. I directed and edited. And so Ted's basically just telling this story about how much he loves sports and it's caused a rift between his friends and family. <laughs> and so he's like, you gotta love how you steer into the alcoholism. Because <laughs> we always joke, it's like, oh, Ted, you're a problem drinker. You're like, I'm fine. And at the time I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, uh, all this rejection, I get depressed and I go to the bar. A lot. And then I just cut together this photo montage. Because I, I always loved Conan, right? And he'd always do yeah. the pictures bit. Where he's like, this is us playing golf and just shenanigans ensue. So it was basically a montage of Ted just pounding beers, passing out at the table, 
uh, and then I was putting him in the trunk of my car. <laughs> and it's all set all to done old, to the tune of old black rum. Old black yeah. rum. Yeah. Drop it in right now. Because the old black rum's got a hold of me like a dog wrapped around my leg. And the old black rum's got a hold of me when I am for another day. And uh, that was the first time I actually ever heard that song. Because like I said, I didn't have Up uh, growing up. And uh, man, it was the perfect fit for that. And <laughs> give credit to Tom and Pat. They played their roles perfect as the two guys I was yelling at. <laughs> what? Are you there? You said yes, you posted right. it on the social media? Yeah, a while back. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> didn't realize that. I think it was during our hiatus and I was just looking for content. I'm like, Ugh. I was like, got to throw something up there. I'm like, and so I was like, Ted and I, people think this is just the first time Ted and I have collaborated. <laughs> like, this is the first time we collaborate on a project here. <laughs> well, for this, just see if you can find that section that you did with the old black rub. Yeah. I just post that of, you know, me screaming at Pat and Tom at the West End Pub and uh, them locking me in the trunk of your car. Classic. <laughs> Okay, well, the other thing, uh, the other track from this album I wanted to touch on was uh, the song Lukey, which got a lot of play on much music. Well, old Lukey's boat's got a fine for Cuddy, hobby boys. Lukey's boat's got a fine for Cuddy, and every seam is tinked with putty. Ah, me boys are in lie day all together. Ah, me boys are in lie day. However, they wouldn't get that play until 1998. Now, the version of Lukey that you hear on Up is a lot slower than one that would be later released on um, an album called Fire in the Kitchen that came out by the Chieftains. And the Chieftains did this big Canadian tour, and all these East Coast artists wanted to record with the Chieftains because they've done, you know, that very Celtic rock, Celtic inspired traditional music for ages. Yeah. So they put on a compilation album. And this was the lead single for it, was Lukey. And I like the Fire the Kitchen version just a shade better than the mm. one that's on up. Just a shade. <laughs> but uh, that's a good tune as well. And I got lots of airplay that one. Now, Up would get Great Big C, their very first Juno nomination for Best Roots or Traditional by a group in 1996. However, they'd ultimately lose to the Irish Descendants in their album Gypsies and Lovers. Um, however, 1996 would be the first year that Great Big C would win Entertainer of the Year at the East Coast Music Awards. And the reason I'm not getting into the East Coast Music Awards too much, because let's just say they did very well for yeah. their career at the East Coast Music Awards. So well, in fact, that they'd win Entertainer of the Year every year from 96 to 2000. And in 2001, they actually had to write a letter to the East Coast Music Awards asking them to take them out of consideration for any well, good. awards so someone else could win. Uh, yeah, I'm sure for many years, like Joel Plass getting like classified, like, come on, what the hell? <laughs> Give someone else a freaking chance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thought this was a great album. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I really did. I really liked it. Um, not much more to be said than that. Um, it adds a little bit of new stuff the first one yep. we talked about the old black rum uh the chemical worker song was another one i really liked something you'd hear in a picket line back yep. in the day you know 
Uh, Fuck you, Dropkick Murphys. You're not the only one that writes picket line songs. I'm just kidding. I love them. But it was uh, a tremendous uh, release. I really liked that. Oh, yeah. And like wave over wave, uh, rant and roar. Like there's so many great, like, because that's the thing. Like some people like, oh, I only like like the fast tempo, like Celtic stuff. But like the, the some of the slow ones that aren't kind of cheese are really good. What? Garbage. <laughs> He's talking about a cigar, not cryptic C. I'm not going to relight it because it'll just make me sick. Now the rum's going to make me sick. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if the Great Big C ever played with the Dubliners. Oh, they played with the Irish descendants. We know that. Yeah. Well, let's get on to play where you and I first discovered Great Big C. May of 1997 is when that album would come out. And Danny Greenspoon, who produced Up, he was once again behind the producer's chair. And um, it sounds a lot like Up. Like, there's not a whole lot of variation in the sound of it. So Greenspoon's fingers are all over it. And once again, this disc is a combination of originals, traditional Newfoundland tunes, Irish and Scottish tunes, as well as several covers, uh, which were well represented in the singles for this album. There's a lot of covers happening on uh, on play. Uh, we'll go through the singles. First, you had um, When I'm Up, I Can't Get Down. That was the first song I had ever heard by Great Big C because it got played like you wouldn't believe on Chum FM, uh, which is my parents' radio station back in the day. I am lifted, I am lifted When I'm up, I can't get down can't get down, can't get level When I'm up, I can't get down Get my feet back on the ground When I'm up, I can't get down can't get... Um, It's a cover of the... Sorry, oh, oh, oh you cut out. Uh, you're I'm just... here. Okay, you're saying it's a cover of what? Oyster Band. Oh, okay. Oyster Band were an English folk rock band, okay? And Great Big C covered Oyster Band's song. It peaked at number six on the Canadian charts. Now, now we're talking about pretty prime chart position. Um, and the video got considerable airplay. We talked about this before. Not just much music, much more music, but CMT as well. So they had that big coverage. And it's a side to America. You know what I mean? If a band is that good and they don't have a following, you make a following for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Divide and conquer. Play it everywhere. If people don't like it, they won't listen to it. But if people like it, they'll uh, they'll know. Yeah. And that's what we do for our people up here. Yeah. yeah, we cram it out, down your face. Now, out next, and I've got quite a bit to say about this song, Brian. All right. Ordinary Day. Yes. Ah, uh, the Ordinary Day, but a great big C. <laughs> that was a massive hit on adult contemporary uh, radio. It reached number three on those charts. And it's one of the band's most interesting tunes. So bear with me. I've got two stories about Ordinary Day. Okay. okay? First, we'll get to the lyrics. Alan Doyle, and I got to flip the page, and I'm drunk. <laughs> so hold on. There we go. Alan Doyle, he wrote this song by a story that he read about a busker out in Vancouver. Hold on, Prince Messenger. I've got a smile on my face and I've got four walls around me I've got the sun in the sky, all the water surround me 
All right, let's get back to Great Big C. All right, All we're right. talking ordinary data. I told you got two stories. All right, yeah. so Doyle writes this uh, song, Ordinary Day, about a busker he read about in Vancouver. You know, jaded out on the corner, what keeps her from dying? Ooh, let her say what they want. She won't stop trying. You know that line? Yeah. Okay, that's about a busker in Vancouver he read about who was beaten and robbed during a performance. Jeez. Undeterred, she went back to the same spot that she was assaulted and played week after week for passersby. Undeterred. In 2019, during the Juno's songwriting circle, it was revealed that that singer turned out to be Jan Arden. What? And now you know the rest of the story. So Jan Arden's kind of like our is Canada's Jewel because you know Jewel was living in like a van or something. Jan Arden, yeah, busted. yeah, yeah. But the thing with Jan Arden was, I guess she got attacked That's by a crazy. bunch of muckers, and she just kept going back out there. So I, you know, it's funny with Jan Arden. I have thought I, I I've thought about doing a Jan Arden episode because we like to do a, a good female solo artist every year. I thought yeah. about doing a Jan Arden. But what's keeping me from doing it is that I've never seen anybody whose personality does not match their music at all. <laughs> like with Jan Arden. Like she played Thunder Bay a few years ago. And people are like, oh, Jan Arden, all right. She's so bubbly and happy. And yeah. then she did her set and everyone was like, good God. <laughs> <laughs> great like like a parks and rec or something like yeah. that you know like oh we booked this artist great we love her oh it's my like, god yeah. they they book raffi he's like he's actually like a heroin addict they'll suicide <laughs> okay the second story behind ordinary day this is my favorite uh we're gonna take you back to the year 2000 we had ourselves a federal election yeah and it was liberal prime minister jean chrétien trying to defend his seat against the very conservative Stockwell Day and the Canadian Alliance. Having the last name Day, old Stockwell felt that Ordinary Day would make for a great campaign song and began to use it at rallies without getting the permission of Great Big C. Now, Great Big C wanted to remain apolitical throughout the election. They wanted voters to make up their own minds. They didn't want to have any sort of influence on, on things. So they sent old Stockwell and the Canadian Alliance a cease and desist order saying, please do not use this song anymore. We do not want our song played by the Canadian Alliance and to be a theme song for Stockwell Day. Sure enough, after this happens, um, much music uh, is doing live interviews with all of the party leaders. And I mean all of the party leaders. I remember the Lenin Marxist guy, like co-hosted <laughs> an evening episode of Video Flow with Sookian Lee. His guy's <laughs> red tie. He's like, yeah, communist. He's like, what do you want from us? You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, we want to share everything. That's what we do. And I thought it was, at the time, I thought it was cool. I'm like, you know what? It, it's He's getting his message out. Yeah. He's not pulling any punches. And Stockwell Day got to do a thing. And uh, Alexa Madonna was the head of the NDP. She did something. And I believe the Tories had Jean Charest. Was Jean Charest? 
because they were the progressive conservatives still. This is before the merger. I think it was Jean Charest. I could be wrong. No, it was Joe Clark. It was Joe who? <laughs> yes, he was running for the progressive conservatives. But they had them all on. Of course, they had John Cretchen on. So I think it's Strombo who's doing the interview with John Cretchen. And at the end of the interview, he says to, uh, to the prime minister, is there a song you'd like to hear? And he was so worked up and so happy. He went, oh, I want to hear The Ordinary Day by The Great Big I love that. It's really sticking it to uh, uh, <laughs> Stockwell Day. <laughs> the only other two political cease and desist I can remember is uh, obviously everyone knows the Reagan fiasco with yeah. Bruce. Yep. Uh, but I mean, you know, Reagan's old. You know, you look to your younger staffers to be like, we need a good song. Uh, and like, you think that one of these idiots would have like, you know, read the lyrics or actually listened to the song and realized it's not, you know, a pro-America song. <laughs> but the the other option or the other one is uh, actually they're not even french but there was like a uh, some like a prime minister or someone in france wanted to use like an mgmt song and they're like nah oh yeah 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 i guess they like looked into the politics and they're like no thanks but wow you still hear it all the time like i remember <laughs> i went to a jays game once and harper was at the jays game uh just happened to be there during this one federal election his bus was there and they were blare, blaring uh, glory, uh, Golden Age by TV on the radio on oh, the yeah. bus. And like TV on the radio wrote that song about Obama. <laughs> they would not be pro Stephen Harper by any extent of the imagination. Right. But I guess it wasn't done in an official capacity. Like you just put a playlist on. It's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? You got to be very careful when you. Well, oh, is that uh, at the end? Politician. Was that at the end of Harper's run? Because I don't know. Maybe people had the sky don't thought. Oh, yes, this when he lost to Trudeau. Yeah, so there you go. That's probably why, because it's a golden age. Because he's out. Like that's what they were thinking. Maybe I don't know. But no, no, no. He Harper was playing it. Oh. In his bus at the Jays game. Oh, I see now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's an idiot too. <laughs> TV on the radio wrote that song yeah, for yeah, Obama yeah. coming in. Right. After eight years of W. Right. So, yeah. He just, I think he just had someone who was like hit to music who was like, right. hey, this is a cool song. It's a beat, you know? Sure. But it's, it's always funny when you hear about stuff when uh, politicians gets tipped off about a song. Like, do you remember when uh, The Roots played Lion Ass Bitch by Fishbone when Michelle Bachman <laughs> came on? Right. So she <laughs> found out right after the show that that was a uh, <laughs> what The Roots were up to. Which means that somebody in her campaign was a Fishbone fan. Yeah. Which makes you go, why would any Fishbone fan hitch their wagon to Michelle Bachman? Yeah. That's... But it happened. You know, look at, what was it? Was it Ron Paul? Not Ron Paul. No, no. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Oh, yeah. It was a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. Rage Against the Machine fan. When, you know, he's basically the machine. They're Although, you know, oddly enough, uh, before she, long before she joined the Interrupters, Amy Allen wrote like a pro Ron Paul song, this big like marching yeah. rally song. It's so weird. I mean, I get yeah. it. You hear some of their lyrics, they clearly sound a little more like libertarian types, but anyway. Yeah, but uh, what's it called? Speaking She's also of from early, Montana. 
early Amy interrupter. No. Um, you, do you remember about that DVD a few years ago? It was Sublime did like a, it wasn't Sublime obviously, but it was like a yeah. live show that was done to promote that uh, tribute album. Look at all the yeah. love we found. Unwritten Law played that show and they did the song Saw Red. Right. And Amy Interrupter way before, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, the Interrupters did uh, the Gwen Stefani parts with the guy from Unwritten Law yeah. at that show. It was really cool. I don't think she dated or was married to that guy for a minute. Oh, so that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a cool, like, uh, humble beginnings. Yeah, for sure. Story. All right. Now I was worried about this. I have terrible lighting in this backyard, and it's starting to get dark. So let's see how much I can plow through here. Okay? All right. All right. We got the Ordinary Day done? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I should also mention about Ordinary Day. The song has been used in the video games Dark Souls and Bloodborne as part of death montages. Um, and that beeping noise at the beginning, you know how it That's actually a telegraph key playing SOS. It's kind of a cool way to start a record. That's cool. Yeah. The third single released off of play was a cover of R.E.M.'s End of the World. Love the R.E.M. version. Yeah, but I've used this phrase earlier in the night. I like the great big C version, just a shade more. Well, yeah, it's like we've we've talked about this multiple times. If you're gonna do a cover, you gotta do it a little bit different. And yeah. obviously, there's the Celtic flair, but Alan Doyle, my God, like people yeah. have trouble singing to the Michael Stipe version. Uh, I can only imagine. Like I've tried, I know the lyrics backwards and forwards, but I still I get mushmouth like after like two verses. I can't even, there are two lines, sorry. Did you know that they have every single lyric that's in the original, every instrumental breakdown that's in the original, and still the Great Big C version is a minute and a half shorter than the R.E.M. version. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It set the song, like, I, you know, on Spotify, I actually have two versions of It's the End of the World that always pop up on my mixes my punk and ska mixes one's by the suicide machines one's by this band called the riddlin kids so i don't really know that well but they have a version of it's the end of the world they all just are pale in comparison to great big six right. version uh that would get to number nine of the adult contemporary charts it would also make an appearance on frosh 2 the compilation okay. of college drinking songs which by the way we okay you know how like Apparently, there is a Big Shiny podcast that just does the Big Shiny Tunes shit. Right. That uh, got coverage by freaking Jay and Dan. Can't cover ours, that bird-faced fuck. <laughs> but they can cover these guys. That's not Dan. I got no beef with Dan. I got beef with Jay. Um, yeah. Dan O'Toole is a tool. I, yeah, like I got no beef with them. They're both wieners. Yeah. They, they can plug those guys, but they can't plug us. <laughs> anyway. Uh Frosh, those Frosh albums, maybe we should consider covering because those were good, uh, good compilation albums. Anyway, uh, there was also the ballad, How Did We Get From Saying I Love You, a modest adult con contemporary hit, which was <laughs> number 23. 
All right. I'm going to get my thoughts on play, then I'll let you do your thing. Okay. For my money, Brian, this is up there with the Bare Naked Ladies Gordon album as one of my favorite Canadian albums of all time. When we eventually put together a list of the top 100 or 200 Canadian albums of all time based on the stuff we've covered and stuff we've listened to, yeah, uh, this is going to be hard pressed not to be in the top 10. Yeah. Play is so unbelievably good. It's perfect. It's fun. It's bouncy. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry at times. Um, if I were to die anytime soon, hopefully I don't. I would love it if you and Brandon and Campbell and Tom and my brother got up at my funeral and sang General Taylor. <laughs> if you guys did that, that would uh, mean a lot to me. We need someone, we need Calhoun up there to do like the baritone. <laughs> you need some bassy vocals. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> that song got me this time around, General Taylor. Yeah. And I've well, always liked that song, but holy, that got me. Well, this is one of the first times where they did. Like with General Taylor, they did the acapella stuff. They weren't really doing it so much yet. And it, that's become yeah. a staple since. Um, but yeah, that one, uh, my apology. Oh, how about, uh, uh, well, we but, talked about Sean, Sean McCann. Yeah. Here's the album where he really shines. He's like the yeah. MVP on this album. Yeah, I was just about to get into uh, Recruiting Sergeant. Uh, what a great song. That's it. Well, first of all, I mean, it's got you know, you laugh, you cry, you learn a bit because this is uh, the this is about the battle of in World War. I think it's World War One. How? Because there's you know, every time that people dramatize or like glorify war, you know, we talk about our ancestors who were like you know, my my mom has four uncles all fought in World War Two, and like they were scattered all over Africa, Italy, France wherever i don't know where your grandfather served um he was uh like england into germany oh wow he got into germany well i don't know if he got all the way into germany sorry he was in england he fought for england for the allies uh my grandfather was an englishman yeah uh but his job was to set up communications and there was a time or two that he had to go behind enemy lines and as the family story goes when hitler killed himself my grandfather was behind enemy lines wow so they have a communication line yeah but i don't know if they were in france i don't know if they're in italy i don't know where he was but, right yeah. um but like you know th like this tells the story of them fighting like in like turkey and stuff and like mm. no one i feel like less people talk about these battles right and so uh but like the battle of i think it was was it tripoli um okay. i mentioned that and like, if you actually Google that on like the Wikipedia page, it actually has like the Newfoundland Regiment. It wasn't like the Dominion of Canada. Like in World War One, it was the Dominion of Canada, Britain, blah blah. Yeah, all the so other it would be free confederation. Yeah, so they were their yeah. own nation. So it's like it's neat that they have their own war stories to tell, yeah. just to show again how they really are their own nation state. Like even when uh, Foster Hewitt used to do the old uh, yeah Canada call, he's like, "Hello from everyone across the country." Of Canada and Newfoundland before Confederation. Yeah, well, he'd right? say, and the United States and Newfoundland. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah, but that's, Love yeah, that. that song's amazing. And oh. like Jake, uh, Jakey's Gin, it's just like, it's just the, the hit machine just doesn't well, stop. Let me throw a couple of these at you Donkey Riding. Yeah. Seagulls. 
oh yeah i used to love i still do i like that was always like i'd skip to seagulls when i was younger and the night that patty murphy died <laughs> that's how they showed their respect for patty murphy that's how they showed their honor and their pride they said it was a sin and a shame and they winked at one another and every drink in the place was full the night pat murphy died Let's talk about that. We're talking about Johnny Burke earlier. Yeah. This was his other one that uh, Great Big C borrowed. And um, as a wedding DJ, I can tell you, when you have a party that's going and you can tell that they like to have a beer, yeah, maybe they got some East Coast representation. You play the night that Patty Murphy died right after uh, Home for a Rest and that dance floor is going to be kicking. And that's another one that I clean up on on karaoke. <laughs> the Patty Murphy died. Now you got to find the right DJ because some DJs don't have any Canadian stuff. Right. But if you got a guy who's got the Canadian tunes and he's got the night Patty Murphy died, oh, oh. I remember one night I went, I did, I did like I, Soul Man. I think I got Brent up and we did Love Shack together. And then I did, because I do the guy from B52s really well. You know? <laughs> and bring your jukebox money. Uh, but I did night the Patty Murphy died, and some guy went up to me, going, "Hey, hey, hey!" I'm like, "Yeah." I was in the bathroom. He goes, <laughs> "You really just know all the good songs, don't you?" And I went, "Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I love how he's just like the way you're describing. It's like I'm about to get accosted in the bathroom by this man. He actually like pays you the <laughs> ultimate compliment. Well, I had this weird recovered memory from going to the bar, yeah. and. uh I walked over and Bryn's talking to this woman. And this is when we first started dating. Right. right? And uh, she was talking to this woman. I, I, I don't know what they were talking about. And uh, Bryn's like, yeah, I was just talking to this woman. And uh, we're both, uh, we're both bi. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And she goes, and her son's gay. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, my sister's gay. And she said, oh, that's cool. Yeah, my stepson's gay. I'm like, oh, that's really neat. And this biker guy grabs me by the collar and pulls me up and he goes the fuck did you say about my son and i went what and she goes no he's cool honey and he goes oh i'm sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) he like lifted me up like i was a nerd in high school (laughs) although i mean take that as a was this when you were still chubby or is that like like when you lost no, all that weight? No, this is when me and Brent first started dating. So okay. I, was still, I was thinner than I am now. Okay, because I was going to say, I mean, take that as a compliment. <laughs> like, the guy just lifts you up like it's nothing. No <laughs> like one could do that up. to me. I should also mention that the night that Patty Murphy died was featured in the movie State of Play, where yeah. <laughs> Russell Crowe is snapping his fingers listening yeah, to the song like, right, right, as he's right. on the way to the scene of a murder. I know. <laughs> yeah, because that was when... Oh, we'll get to that later. But. Well, we're going to have a lot more about Russell Crowe yeah. in episode two. Because uh, Russell Crowe and Alan Doyle, they're buddies. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. And uh, hopefully for episode two, you get some of that uh, footage of them singing Beautiful Girl. <laughs> yeah. uh, in, I think they're in Italy. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was either. I think it was Italy. Yeah. They must have been doing the promotion for thing, but we'll get to that later. What else you got to say about play? It's... You know, uh, people always talk about, uh, you know, in, in a movie biopic or something, when people, you know, they always do that, like in the Walk the Line, when the guy, Mr. Phillips uh, from 
uh, what's that famous recording in uh, Nashville? Uh, Sunshine. Yeah, Sunshine. Sunshine Records. Yeah. Um, when the guy's telling in the trailer, he's like Johnny Cash. He's like, if you had one saw, or like you know, you had to die tomorrow. What would be your state? Like, if, if Great Big C disbanded after play, that would be like, what the what a hell of an album to go out on. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. It would, like they'd probably be like deemed one of the best bands of all time in this country if they solely went out on that album because it's talking about going out on the top but i mean they still created a bunch of great stuff but yeah, yeah it's it's, <clears throat> it's a, like we always talk about cheffa uh, cheffa there's very little cheffa in this album i'd say there's no cheffa in this yeah. album it is a great album it's a perfect album um okay well here's one for you we've covered a lot of albums on the show yeah would i be remiss to say <laughs> that play by great big c is the best album we've covered uh, see that's difficult to say because, i know there's a lot of different stuff well that and like you and i have a youthful connection to this album and you know they always say you know much like accents or certain things smells they're always tied back to like early you know certain childhood memories um you know, it's the same reason why you and I are, will never give up on ska, like Andy Samberg in that one clip, because uh, it's, it's tied to one of our earliest childhood memories of, or like uh, adolescent memories of getting into music. That's the one that always stuck. You know, the new metal, the you know, crappy 2000s rap. Well, some of it was good, but like a lot of that just fell off, whereas like ska stayed the course, just like this album stayed the course with us throughout. You know, we give up on ska here and there. We'd listen to it less and less. We listened to folk here and there. But Great Big C just always, you know, was kind of there. So yeah, it's it's hard to say absolutely if it's the best album or not because we're a little biased. But it is fantastic, and like you said, it's sometimes it's hard. I don't know how some of these people put lists together. I know, like it just because you know it's you could build a list and then you're like, oh fuck. This song came out in January of this year. This song came out. How did I forget about this? You know what I mean? It's just like you keep pulling out random things. And If you were to ask me right now a top five of the albums that we've covered so far in this show, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Yeah. Wouldn't know where to begin. Yeah. All I know is this album my mind good. and because I grew up with this album Yeah, is that play by Gray Big C is outstanding. For sure. No one's denying and that. At the end of the day, you know what? This... It's one of my favorite albums, Canadian or not. And if anyone says anyway, we'll throw hands and we'll tussle. <laughs> okay. Well, let me do a quick couple of things here to finish off play, and then we'll probably have to end this conversation and start a new one because yep. we've got four minutes left. Okay? What the fuck is going on? But then we'll get into turn. All right. Well, unfortunately, the runaway train that was Our Lady Peace and their clumsy album kept Great Big C from winning a Juno that year for Group of the Year in 1998. Um I think that this is a better album than Clumsy. Yeah. A Clumsy is a good album, but this is better. Um, in 1999, Great Big C would get nominated for Best Video for that Chieftain's version of Luki, but they'd lose to David Usher for his video for Forest Fire. You know what? That was a good video, though. I don't know if you remember that. He's No. It's kind of a sleek video, whereas, you know, Luki, they're just in a bar. Right. Yeah, this is in, like, an elevator with a bunch of models and stuff like that. Um. So, 
I don't know what I mean, a lack of sales? What am I talking about? Anyway, play would reach number uh, nine of the Canadian album charts and then triple platinum status, which ain't not too bad. All right, back to the show. So Great Big C did make an attempt to break into U.S. markets like every Canadian act does. In 1998, they released a compilation album called Rant and Roar, named after that song from Up. Yeah. Featured 14 tracks. All of them were either from Up or Play and uh, rock solid compilation like it's the best of. So you talked about no chuffa. This is really no chuffa. However, didn't catch on. Mass acclaim. People loved it. Didn't catch on. Although you see right there, uh, I was talking about if Great Big C ever reunited. Yeah. They, they wouldn't pull from the first album. They only had three under their belt, but they didn't pull any of those songs off for like the greatest hits. Well, so. I'll tell you, they do still have a dedicated following in the U.S. Uh, my wife, Bryn, loves this group of these podcasters called the McElroy Brothers. They okay. do a podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And then all of the, th- the three of them all do their own podcasts with their wives. There's Sawbones. There's Wonderful. There's this, that, and the other. It's a big network. Okay. And then they also have a D&D kind of podcast called uh, The Adventure Zone. Nerds. But the other thing they do, well, the two of them, uh, Justin and Griffin McElroy, they work for, they used to work for Polygon, which is a gaming website. Okay. So they play these, test out these new games. And they were doing a game. It was, it was like a zombie apocalypse style game, right? And Justin, the oldest brother, when he would get killed off, he'd break out his guitar and he'd play some songs. And do you know how I've brought up in the past that I am, uh, I don't want to say I'm a parrot head totally, but I get the appeal of Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. I get like the idea of just sitting on an island all day and drinking your margaritas and occasionally you'll take a break to have a cheeseburger in paradise and they'll, yeah. you know, life is good kind of thing he's very much that guy so i'm listening i'm watching her watch the podcast one day and he's got his guitar out and he's playing captain kid which yeah. we'll get to later my name is captain kid as a sail as a sail right <laughs> and they starts into the night that patty murphy died this man an american from west virginia huge great big c fan and they want to hear sea shanties which are huge on tiktok right now sea shanties yeah and he's just playing all the great big c greatest hits the problem was it got to a point where the fans started requesting shit they just wanted to hear boat drinks or changes in latitude changes in attitude those are all jimmy buffett songs (laughs) so they had to change from uh, great big c to jimmy buffett now great big c and jimmy buffett were to do a show together I'd probably get so drunk in the parking lot <laughs> that I wouldn't make it to the show. <laughs> oh, you would drink more than a six pot, six pack of them. Someone would take my Hawaiian shirt and you'd have a shirtless Ted going, What's going on? Where's my cheeseburger in paradise? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want a cheeseburger. I want a, you know. I like mine. You know what's funny? Park Hill loves Jimmy Buffett. I don't know if you knew about that. Yeah, well, the fact that he always tried to take us to that cheeseburger, cheeseburger place. Well, no, that's SNL. Well, I know that, but does, this isn't the, didn't they have like a Buffett-themed burger or something on that? They might have had a cheeseburger in paradise, yes. Yeah. But Maybe Park I'm Hill, Johnny Rockets, I don't know. and I love him. He's one of my best friends in the yeah. whole wide world. 
but the man is a bit of a square sometimes. <laughs> And he used to change the lyrics from, you know, it's like, I like mine with French fried potatoes, yeah. uh, Heinz 57, and that. no, I like mine with lettuce and tomato, Heinz 57, and French fried potatoes. Okay. Um, nice kosher pickle and a cold draft beer. Someone get me out of here. Park Hill will change the line from cold draft beer to a nice root beer. Ugh. Squaresville. What a dork. L7 Weenie. But now he's a big beer guy. So now he loves beer. But at the time he used to do that. Uh, nice root beer. Yeah. Jimmy Buffett would scoff at that. You know, he got in trouble because he he's a pilot, Jimmy Buffett. Someone so trust that his, guy to fly a plane. Well, he flew his plane into like Amsterdam. <laughs> And they found like a suitcase filled with ecstasy tablets. Like leaving Amsterdam, or he tried to bring it in. Coming in! Oh, what an idiot. (laughs) (sighs) That's what Jimmy Buffett likes to party. You know, going back to Great Big Sea, excuse me, trying to get into the States. I mean, you talked earlier about how they toured like 300 days a year. Some of those had to have been like up the I'm sure east, they did eastern England, seaboard, yeah, yeah Baltimore, yeah. Philly, because there's a lot of Irish neighborhoods there too that might appreciate it. But I don't know. Isn't Martha's Vineyard up <clears throat> in New England? Yeah, that's uh, Taxatusets. Wouldn't they love Great Big Sea? No, those people Rich. are uppity, uppity wasps that don't have any fun. They're just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, like uppity wasp to love great big c that's true yeah i mean uh, we're we're technically up. wasps and we love great big c there you go <laughs> but there we're not go. we're not uppity stiff upper lip wasps okay up next for the band was turn released on june's 22nd uh 1999 steve berlin produced this one and he's best known as the saxophone player for los lobos as well, he's played with the Blasters, the Flesh Eaters, and Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. <laughs> so Steve Berlin has been around. He's produced records for artists as diverse as the Crash Test Dummies, John Lee Hooker, The Replacements, The Tragically Hip, and Cheryl Crow. That is a who's who. So they seem to be in safe hands here. Yeah. Um, and the album didn't sell as well as Upper Play, but it was still good. Platinum status, got to number nine on the uh, album charts. They had three singles, and uh, let's talk about Consequence. I wanna be consequence free. I wanna be where nothing needs to matter. Um, it proved to be a big hit. Number seven of the adult contemporary charts, number eight of the singles charts. I listened to it this morning and I got some thoughts. Like, I know that this song is supposed to be Alan Doyle breaking away from like the conventions of Catholicism to yeah. live as a free spirit. But it's just a little weird hearing today. Like, wouldn't it be great if no one anywhere got offended? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> get what he's saying but like today's lens like shout out the n-word wherever you go no one gets i mean i mean political incorrectness is different than straight up racism oh i I, yeah 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 (laughs) having a little like fun 
with like some language and stuff, just being like, ah, I'm just having fun. No hard feel. You know what I mean? Versus dropping a hard end bomb. That's totally different. Well, but. yes, I, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Um, I, I get that. Yeah. And there was an extreme example that I used. Sure. Yeah. But by today's lens, nobody yeah. gets offended. You know what I mean? Well, like, it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. People are going to get offended. Oh, yeah. No matter what you say. I am surprised our show's not been canceled. <laughs> you know, we no, no one gets canceled in reality. It just shows you how many listeners we have. No, well, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, we haven't said anything political homophobic racist i mean yeah we've cursed a bunch but like we've never said anything that's overly cancelable no, trust me haven't. trust me i could let the i could let some politically incorrect things fly but i purposely stifle myself not like not that it's out, out of any and, malice i'm just saying if you I'm wonder just... why i don't regularly drink when we do this <laughs> to keep you in line that's why <laughs> no, I'm saying like if I, if I had a natural instinct to make a joke about something it might not be politically correct is what I'm saying but it's not like I'm not gonna drop any hard expletives or anything about any I know you know what but, I did go I did go to a very extreme place right yeah there. so but no I don't I don't think there's much anything cancelable about us no no but it, it, it is kind of interesting how he went about living as a free spirit yeah. from his strict Catholic upbringing to now, I don't know, would you Would you go that route? I well, know. I will say this. I don't know if it's a song that still holds up, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, the, the no one getting offended. I will say this. Newfies, very racist people. Oh, God. I talked to a lot of <laughs> Newfies. I mean, I'm sure not all of them. Not all. You want, of them. To get, you want to get into something here? Hold on. Let me just like. Oh, so I work. First, I work for the government, and I talk to people across the country. Yeah. I talk to, and it's funny. The people who I have the biggest pitfalls with, the newfies, the French, and people in the prairies, because the a lot of racism. Because <laughs> like people will say to me, oh, I'm so glad I got a white guy." The person before could barely speak English. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Tell them that you're Chinese. I know. I, I, I should. I should really make them feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But yeah, and so people say stuff like that all the time. And yeah, it's so, we, I mean, maybe it's part of their culture where they're just very politically incorrect and they just fly off the cuff. And so maybe that's what he was talking about. Because maybe, maybe because they're their own nation state, when they try to integrate into society, it does not go well. <laughs> So when I worked for the Moose in Perry Sound, yeah, we worked with the sales guy, and he's since passed away. And he was a really good guy. Okay, name was Ron, and he was a maritime. Yeah, and I'll give you two little stories about him. Okay, uh, nothing specific, but I take it that when he was on the East Coast, he had he's one of these guys that had a has a black friend. Does that make sense? Yeah, extremely racist, but I've got a black friend. Right, Brandon used to say that all the time. <laughs> I got a black friend, guys. I made my first black friend. <laughs> I got a feeling because he had this black black friend, he felt that he could be racist whenever he wanted to. Oh, and also, I got people. a feeling that this guy was kind of like, "I'll put up with your racism because I'm the only black guy here." Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he would say some unspeakably racist shit. Oh God! And I would be like, "Kick it." 
<laughs> but he'd be like complimentary yeah like that is a good singer and i'd be like just say that no! guy that guy in no that... way shape or form can you say that yeah right just be like that guy is a good singer or he's a good singer you don't need to identify by their racer especially by a slur yeah but i think because this guy was like you know i'll let this go they're not feel like he has license horrible you know what i mean i'll still hang out with them even though they're saying this word he felt right. like he could say it ridiculous so it, it led to some issues yeah but i will say this this guy loved his rum of course and uh like any good he's ghosted yeah. <laughs> he won a bottle of wine at some contest and they tried to give it to because they, they were trying to get everyone in line with corporate he was just like the rest of us you know fuck corporate right, right? And so, like, our, our, like, general manager came. Oh, Ron, you won this bottle of wine. Take this bottle of wine. He looked at our GM. He goes, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to drink that. Not even fucking rum. So he walked out of the room. <laughs> I mean, I can see rum. being an East Coaster. Wine being a bit of an insult. Yeah. Well, hey, hey. No, no wine, just rum. Yeah. All right. Um, also from the album Turn, aside from Consequence Free, which we both had our thoughts on, uh, you had the ballad Feel It Turn, which made it to number 38 on the adult contemporary charts, and Can't Stop Falling, which was uh, kept off the charts entirely. One of those third last-ditch singles that just doesn't make it. I look into your eyes And I realize Oh no, I can't stop falling like it's more of a look at it uh, we got to really try to hit the mainstream market we're gonna ditch the um some of the celtic stuff i mean yeah like they still got like some of the type of guitars like the whatever but uh i feel like i don't know whereas can't stop falling still just as catchy and they utilize more of their great big c sound so i don't know it's a little more east coast yeah. yeah, but it's accessible East Coast. It's not just some like shanty song, uh, sea shanty that only people from the East Coast would appreciate. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. less uh, isolating. Well, uh, Turn would get a little bit of Juno recognition. It would also get nominated for Best Roots or uh, Traditional uh, Group in 2000. They lose to Blackie and the Rodeo Kings for their yeah. album uh, Kings of Love. We talked about them before during the yeah. rodeo. Um, can I tell you about what I thought of Turn? Go for it. Thumbs down. Yeah. You know what? Any other situation from any other band, maybe I'd be like, yeah, this is a good album. Because honestly, there's nothing bad here. There really isn't anything bad here. Yeah. But you just came off a play. Yeah. And this is your follow-up? That is weak sauce, man. Yeah, I mean, I will say, wasn't doing it for me. I will say this: there are a couple of really great songs, like "I'm a Rover," "Fairyland Sailor," uh, "Boston and St. John's." Jack Hanks is fun. Um, I liked "Old Brown's Daughter." 
Yeah, and like Margaritas is nice, fun, catchy song. Uh, Captain uh, Wetterburn was a good one. Yeah, so like there's a lot of good stuff here. It just it didn't have that same like basically they were those were like little uh, those were jabs. Whereas Great Big C was throwing haymakers. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like the song quality, putting in the boxing metaphor. That's the best way I can describe it. These are jabs, uh, little rabbit punches. Play was friggin' the knockout hooks you know what I, mean? I think though I, I see what you mean yeah there are little jabs but this album do, did you not feel that it was like just devoid of energy well i feel like no it was patty very, murphy there's yeah. no end of the world there's no big pub hit well i, I think that's what fairyland sailor was that was their the closest thing that had a lot of energy that was like that whack fall that that is that and everyone just right. goes up you but know you're what coming mean? off but, of an album that's pretty much yeah. all of that, or half of like ten of those yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, and also it's it is like it's very much the energy is very like up down up down the way yeah. like the song selection. Like I think if they split it, like you know, consequence free, Jack Hinks, uh, Fairyland Sailor, Can't Stop Falling, were an I'm a Rover. Like if they stack those and they're like, this is the energetic part, and then we're gonna just have a nice kind of like chill part maybe it would have played differently but it just kind of kept going like a you know yeah. I mean? like a stock ticker oh well just waiting for it to pick up yeah and i feel like like the traditional tunes were the ones i really liked yeah the original songs were just so adult contemporary based and really were making that play for a mass audience yeah whereas on the other ones those original songs they were just as folksy and you'd be hard pressed to be able to tell on some albums right what ones they wrote in house and which ones were traditional well unfortunately i feel like some of that trend started to follow them on a couple of these next albums well what did you think of turn i I enjoy it you want to add about it no I, i i said my piece okay well one song that they i think they should have included on turn that they is a great fucking song that they left off for some reason was everything shines right i always feel because i always saw that heard that on the radio but i but that's not on any album right no it's on road rash oh, okay was it road rash or road rage road rage road rage i didn't write road it rash was a video game right well that was their live album which came out in halloween in 2000 and one of the their lead single off of that, which was unreleased previously, was Everything Shines. And it's a great upbeat song. Yeah. That would have made such a great addition to this album. Yeah. But they decided to save it. Anyway, Road Rage would be a success. It got to number nine on the album charts. Uh, the only live album I have by them, we'll get into in part two, but it was that one that had the DVD on it. Oh, the courage, patience, and grit. Yeah, yeah. Voices. Yeah. I've never heard Road Rage, but I know from that album, I really loved it because it was like you were seeing them live. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It really captured that live performance. Yeah. All right, we're almost done here. Great Big C's fifth studio album will be released on February nineteenth, twenty twenty, uh, two thousand and two. There we go. Peter <laughs> Prylsnick, I think that's his name. Peter Prylsnick was in the producer's chair for this one. Uh, not a whole lot of info on him, but he has worked as a guitarist, bassist, Dobro player, producer, writer, recording engineer, and mixer for the likes of Sarah Harmer, 
Sarah Sleen and Dragonette. Yeah. A little bit different than Great Big C, but yeah, he's been around. Uh, initial sales for their fifth studio album, The Sea of No Cares, uh, were very good. It would reach number one on the album charts and eventually would get platinum status. Now, none of the singles from Sea of No Cares charted, but four of them were released. You had the title track, nice upbeat acoustic tune about falling in love, yeah. which seems to be a lot of their original songs. Yeah. It's simple and fun. Penelope was a song I really liked that had a nice trumpet going through it. I thought that was a cool tune. Uh, Clearest Indication had a nice organ pumping throughout it. And uh, it's about Newfoundland's confederation with Canada. And it kind of reminds me of one of those songs by the band, you know, like Acadian Driftwood. Right. Or The Night That Drove Old Dixie Down, where it also sort of served as a history lesson yeah. that you talked about earlier. Uh, you also had the song Stumbling In, and I didn't write anything else about Stumbling In. I'm trying to remember it. Yeah, Stumbling In is, is a good one. It's just much more the adult contemporary one. Traditional tunes. Um, Sorry, what was that? Funny. I said the band for this album, Steve No Cares. Yeah. They included more original songs than they did traditional songs. Uh, yes. But the traditional ones, like Scolding Wife, yeah. stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Because their more original ones have a more adult contemporary sound to it than they did in the past, like right. we talked about with Turn. However, I like the way they leaned into it a little bit more here on CF No Care. I'm sure you've been scolded by the old wife, Dan, fella. Oh, a time or two. <laughs> I'll tell you, there was this one day that Bryn told me, uh, what's it called? We are going out with my father tonight. I know you're having lunch with this friend of yours. Don't get drunk. I guess what I perceived to do. <laughs> you got drunk. So drunk, I went home and fell asleep. I couldn't get up to go back out. I embarrassed myself. I must have slept on the couch for a week after that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was not good that day. And here I am talking about getting drunk and trying to, you know, rein it in. Wait, anyway. but you didn't even finish that sentence. You're like talking about trying to get drunk. <laughs> like, when, like, I, I know. It's because it's pitch black out here. We got a full moon. I'm doing this by fla cell phone flashlight. <laughs> this isn't easy, Brian. This, this is supposed to be a return to form. It's freaking rinky dink. No, we, we elected to sit outside in the great outdoors. <laughs> we could have easily recorded this, but I wanted to have a cigar. You wanted to get some uh, fresh air and have your drink. And when you're cooped up with COVID, fresh air is the virtue. That's true. Yeah. 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 Although you could have still gone outside and sat on your front porch with COVID. You do realize that. I know. We did. We did do that the other day. We sat out in the front lawn with Freddie. Okay. And uh, uh I love he's got so many rolls on his arm. It's hilarious. He's got six rolls. He's gonna be taller than you. No, Hype doesn't even run. I am family. telling you he is gonna be taller than you. What is I'm each basketball roll? hoop and I'm gonna tell him rebound and dunk. That's all he has to do. 
<laughs> so what? I'm trying he... to shoot threes like you always try to do. <laughs> I tried to be like Dirk Nowitzki. That was no yeah, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, yeah. Rebound and dunk, Freddie. There you go. What is each roll each supposed to be a signifier of like how many feet? That's what he's, he's going to grow into. Yeah. It's going to be huge. We'll see. Although, actually, that there might be some weight to that because uh, other Brian's son, Jamie, had a bunch of roles when he was like one, two, and he's getting tall for his age. There you go. Oh. Yeah, Freddie's on his way. All right. Well, let's talk about the best known song, uh, at least for my money, off of Sea of No Cares. And that would be A Boat Like Gideon Brown. I was about to mention that one. Yeah, that was yes. great. Gideon Brown, she can punch a head in any gale and ride Gideon Brown. I often thought how proud I'd be in a boat like Gideon Brown. A uh, live fixture for the band, a song that gets covered across Canada by old white guys with acoustic guitars. In <laughs> fact, I think the guy's name was, I want to say it was David Weiss. Not spelt like Travis Weiss, but like Walt Weiss, the shortstop. Remember him? W I S E. W-E-I-S-S. Oh, yeah, that's just wise. <laughs> yeah. And this is when I worked in Caledonia. And this guy, great one-man live performance for families. And he had, like, some Stone Temple Pilots in his set. He had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But he had, like, it was all centered around Great Big C. He had, like, six Great Big C songs. Nice. Looking at set list. He did Mary Mack. Everyone went crazy for Mary Mack. But he did both like Gideon Brown. I remember sitting there as he's playing Boat Lake Indian Brown, watching the boat sail by on the Grand River. It was kind of a cool setting. But I was like, eh, this all kind of drags. You know what I mean? Like, get back to that upbeat shit you were doing earlier. Right. Then, I listened to the lyrics for the song. And my God, is this the saddest fucking song in the world or what? <laughs> I, in fact, I read the comment section on songmeanings.com the first one said, why doesn't somebody buy this guy a fucking boat so he can stop complaining? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song, but, you know. Yeah. Seriously. If, someone, if they had to go fund me for this guy, he'd get a stupid boat and he'd stop complaining about oh, two of dying. <laughs> now I'm going to get a boat like Gideon Brown's. <laughs> Gideon Brown to the show up. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, oh. your thoughts on boat like Gideon Brown or uh what your thoughts on this album? I mean Gideon Brown is a good song, but um great song. Just trying to go through the song list here, and I'm just like, yeah. Not enough to stick with you. Really? Like, it's it's some good stuff, but it's just, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the turn. I think turn is better than this one. Oh, I disagree. What? Big step up from turn. I'm going to re-listen to this tonight. Save No Cares. It got mediocre reviews from critics. Yeah. And it got shut out from the Junos. But in my opinion, Save No Cares blows turn out of the water. Yeah. Fight lyrics. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna fight over two old great big C albums. <laughs> but here's why I liked it. 
It had more pub favorites than turn. Okay. I thought that they better transitioned in that adult contemporary sound on this album than they did on turn. It wasn't so jarring. And the songs were more upbeat. Well, I mean, yeah, it's obviously the first album they do it where they add more adult contemporary is going to be more jarring. They had a whole album to do that, to get you ready for a more adult contemporary type transition. Yeah. So. All right. Well, the timers come up. It says we can't really think of too many hard-hitting things to say about the city of no cares. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I might have to listen to this one one more time. And like, maybe I'll give you like a, uh, I a think second, it's better than turn. A second review in episode two. Yeah, I think but it's way better than turn. We'll see. Not even close. But anyway. Frenchman's way. <laughs> As of 20, excuse me, I keep saying 20. As of 2002, uh, Great Big C went from being a quartet to a trio as bass, guitar, and bones player Daryl Power left the band to spend more time with his family. He still maintains a close relationship with the rest of the group as the three other members supported his campaign in 2017 for municipal politics uh, in St. John's. However, he finished eight out of 12 candidates and did not win a seat on city council. What about? However, he's been keeping a low profile since then as a substitute teacher, occasionally performing solo shows, and he's been a good luck charm for those running for the premiership of Newfoundland as he's produced the campaign songs for premiers Williams, Dunderdale, and Ball. Two conservatives and a liberal, once again showing that Great Big C is not party-based. They are yeah. apolitical. Uh, while Great Big C wouldn't officially replace power in the band, they did add bassist Murray Foster, formerly of Moxie Frumis, who will be a future episode of Canada FM. <laughs> Bet your boots. And drummer, guitarist, accordion player Chris McFarland. And that's it. This episode's done. It's done. What do you got? Have you watched the new Kids in the Hall? Uh, no, I don't have Amazon. Oh, okay. It is. I've watched two episodes. It is hysterical. I'm sure it is. I mean, they're really leaning into the old guy stuff a little bit, but uh... they look awful. <laughs> all of them. They all look terrible. Well, like they're de- there's this one skit you can find it on YouTube because they released it. They're they're they all own this like restaurant together. They're like family members, but they're all their names rhyme with like Ori. So there's like Corey, Dory, Rory, and yeah. uh, Kevin McDonald plays this woman who's eating in the restaurant, and she wants to order this like famous pie she see on like social media. Oh, hold on, <clears throat> you got me now. Hello. Guys, get, 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 guys, 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 still me here, still kicking out. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, Kevin McDonald wants to order this pie, and then like, uh, Mark McKinney gets super offended because it's actually like a tart, and she's just he won't admit he won't call it a tart, it's like, hey, it's a pie. And so he goes to the back and like they're having this like family meeting and he's just like they tried to order a pie and they're like 
and then uh, and then uh, Ke- um, Dave Foley's like, I hear the boss boy is talking that they're spreading that it's a pie, and then so he's like, they're like, what should we do? He's like, let's just lock everyone in here and burn the restaurant down. And basically, they're like, they're like, it's supposed to be this like big secret or not a secret, but it's like it's a tart, and they can't have these like unclassed buffoons calling it a pie. So wow. they want to like maintain. Oh, just, it just gets ridiculous, but That's yeah, so super great. funny. Yeah. All right, well there you go. There's part one. Uh, part two will likely be done if it's done outdoors. It'll be done in daylight. <laughs> I've still got quite a bit of cracking left, Brian. So I'm, I'm hoping. I was hoping to have my first drink of you breaking sobriety with you, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any rum, and I felt like I only could do rum. I texted you this afternoon, get some dark rum, and you said, I'm on it. I, I assumed I had something in my place. I did not. And, so no. The only, I had, I had this terrible apple whiskey, which was that same drink that, uh, that sent me off. It's, you know, it's still in the exact same place I left it, collecting dust. Well, what sent you off of my mirror? <laughs> it's not like I've ever caused you anger before. Oh no! Oh no! You're my you're my guiding light, north star of calm. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let this one go. I hope this is a disaster. What makes the uh... no? It's uh, I'll be able to cut it. Yeah. Do I sound like a really terrible drunk? No. 